here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special Shake Them Ropes WrestleNomics mashup podcast here on VoicesOfWrestling.com. Rob McCarron here alongside Jeff Hawkins, as well as Mookie Ghana, Chris Harrington, the man with all the numbers and stats and everything and everything and everything. Chris, welcome to your show mixed with our show. Hey, it's great to be here. I'm, I'm so glad we could do this and do it with a pristine audio quality that I can never deliver to my listeners. Yeah, we were, uh, before you came on the line, <laughs> Jeff and I were cutting a promo on Blog Talk Radio, which, you know, nothing against Blog Talk Radio. It's a great way to get podcasts out there. No, speak for yourself. I ha- I have everything against Blog Talk Radio, hey, but I, continue. We're, you know, it's one of those things where it's a website that is free, where you can get your content out there. It may not sound the best, but that's what's going to happen when it's free. But it's a way for people to get out there who wouldn't normally have a chance to do so. So it's And it's pretty easy, right? I mean, Chris, you, you use Blog Talk Radio for your show every time. It's It's not difficult to use, is it? It isn't, but it's it's funny because I've, I've been podcasting for a long time. I just take long breaks. Uh-huh. Like I started in 2005 doing a podcast and it, you know, at the time I would edit it all myself, do it through Skype and then fix all the little things. And as I've gotten older, much like my, my uh, physical shape has just deteriorated and my caring about the quality <laughs> for my, my listeners. <laughs> and so now I've, I've reduced the amount of time I spend on the audio and, and kind of upped it on the, uh, the Excel formatting. So, right. you know, it's a trade-off of all kinds. Absolutely. And hey, if the content is good, people will find it and people will put up with, you know, minor things like poor audio quality. But luckily, this week, we're going to have good audio quality. As long as Skype works well, which I'm hoping it really does, so far so good. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the business aspects. We're going to talk about the WWE Network conference call happening the day after WrestleMania, in which they promise to lay out the 2015 programming schedule, as well as give an update on the level of subscribers as of WrestleMania Day. So uh, that could be an interesting day for uh, everybody as we wait for the Postmania Raw, which is the big event of the weekend. Uh, We are also going to talk uh, probably a little bit about maybe some raw ratings leading up to it. I I know, Chris, you had some topics that you want to get to, so we're basically going to get to a lot of stuff today. Um, We may want to open just because it's happening today, and we were talking about a little bit about it before we got on the call here. Um, But the death of Pero Aguayo Jr. uh, is breaking here as uh, there was a match in Tijuana last night for AAA. Rey Mysterio was involved. Manic was involved. And Paraguayo, uh, via an accident in the ring, has uh, lost his life at the age of 35. I know we're not all big Lucha followers, or at least, Chris, I don't think you are either. I know Jeff and I aren't the biggest Lucha followers, but we have all heard of Paraguayo Jr. And, uh, you know, Dylan Hales on Twitter puts him over as one of the most charismatic guys in all of Mexico. Uh, it's a sad day for wrestling anytime you see someone die 
that's currently involved in wrestling, especially when it happens in the ring like it did in this case. So do you have anything to say about the death of Paraguayo, Chris? One thing I always do is I, I like to look at Wrestling Observer, the newsletter awards, to get a feel for what was someone's kind of recognition in the time frame each year that they were kind of being recognized for. A lot of times there's guys that are kind of quietly great for very long times and we just kind of pass them by year over year. But Pero is a really interesting guy because, of course, he won Rookie of the Year when he debuted back in um, – it was the 95 voting that he he won. And it was really just interesting. You know, the other guys in that year with him were KGB, uh, Chris Canyon, uh, not a lot of other people you'd recognize, mm-hmm. El Puerto Rico <laughs> and uh, uh, Moss Man. Uh, but what's just kind of interesting is to see, like, you know, how he progressed from such a young age, because I think he was still a teenager when that happened, to the, you know, 20 years in the business here almost, doing different things and showing up as as he was so charismatic. And, of course, with all the feds and things he was doing, no real matches jumped out to the list there, which is not unusual because Lucha doesn't usually do very well. But, you know, he was up even as, you know, 2008 was still being in the top 10 for Luthez Performer of the Year and most charismatic and things of that nature. Unfortunately, you know, one of the last times he was mentioned was back in I think it was 2011 when it was the cancer issue that came up with him. And so he he's definitely one of those people that I think had a lot of things going on in his life and a lot of stories and, and lived a big life and uh, just so strange. And that video, of course, being on the Internet now from that match where you can definitely tell something is wrong with this man and the match is kind of continuing with this guy in the corner literally dying before your eyes, mm-hmm. which is just just very un, unnerving, I guess is the easiest way to say it. Uh, but it's just one of those things that you can't tell. Is it a freak accident as a result of some kind of bodily issue that was happening with the guy or was it just uh, whatever it was? But uh, very unfortunate, very, very sudden for us. I don't really have much more to add beyond that just because I, I didn't watch a lot of Lucha and so I don't have – a good fond memory that I can bring up about him one way or the other, except for to say that I think it's really scary, you know, how it started off this whole run for Rey Mysterio here with all that chaos going on with Rey Oste Rey. And then now this, it's been quite a, quite a week. Yeah. I think, uh, I think un- well, I think unnerving is the perfect word for mm-hmm. that video. I, I watched it and I was, I found myself, <laughs> I know nothing about Lucha, I'll admit that, but I found myself getting unnecessarily angry watching the video because as you see the is him basically ragdolling the ropes, they're continuing the match in the ring as opposed to clearing out to another side of the ring. I get the whole the show must go on thing, but if you can tell that there's something wrong, A, someone needs to get in there, and B, everybody else needs to clear out to the other side while they deal with it. I, I just, it's... And the other thing is, is, is there's always that natural reaction of, well, what can we do to prevent this? And, and I'm thinking there's really nothing because even in, in all sports, especially your, your contact sports like football and MMA and whatnot, it's never the things you expect to be injured by that hurt you. It's always the, the things that you're not seeing, like an offensive lineman getting, getting leg whipped by his own guy when he's trying to make a block and that tears his ACL and he's out for the season. These are the things that get you. I mean, this thing was a rope hit him in the head the wrong way, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's, and yeah, that's the going explanation. And I'll, I'll just say that, you know, there's a lot of guys who have told stories about how 
they and their partner will try and do a, you know, double go off the ropes and do something. And one guy will be a little bit faster than the other and the rope will be snapping back and it'll hit them. And I can remember, I think it was one of the Hardys was talking about it, how they got knocked loopy in a match one time when they tried to do that. And, you know, if you're ever on the other end of that, where you get, get knocked in your head with one of those ropes, it yeah. hurts a lot and it will lock you yeah. loopy. And so it, it's just like any other head injury, right? You know, you have that potential that something terrible is going to happen catastrophic mm-hmm. yeah and i know I, i've 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 kind of campaigned to bring back the 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 types of ropes where you have cables in them but these these are types of ropes that'll do that to you as opposed to say the wwe softer style ropes although those are just i mean they're not just as dangerous but th- there is that potential there um, so just just a complete bizarre thing to happen and just one of those that that you know I think one thing Rob Viper was posting a whole bunch of pictures from that show and I saw a dive. I, I can't remember whether it was that show or it was from a different show where a guy Same was show. standing on. Oh my God. He's standing on top of the Titan Tron, essentially, you know, that the big screen he jumps off and I think he's going to do a dive on the guy. Nope. The guy is lying on the ramp and he just mm-hmm. basically frog splashes him on the ramp. No give whatsoever. And I just thought, my God, if this was in CZW, I would believe it. But I did not think this was happening in 2015 uh, uh, indie indie Mexican wrestling right now, but yes, it is, and so just amazing what it is that that guys are doing to themselves at different times, and then you see something like that, and it just makes very little sense when you try to put it together. Yeah, and unfortunate too, but you know, one of the things people look to is the videos of these incidents, and it's hard to have these things not show up on video now with the way of you know cell phones and smartphones. Like, there's going to be probably several videos at different angles of all this, and people are going to watch it. It's 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 a sad thing and you know there's there's people out there that are blame that always want to look at who to blame for something like this and i think okay. there are people out there that are trying to blame ray mysterio for a drop kick and there's you know it, it's just an accident that happens fortunately it doesn't happen uh, you know very often but when it does it's it, it's i mean it, it's not going to probably get a lot of coverage in the u.s do you think I mean, as far as the non-wrestling audience, like this isn't something that's going to oh, get covered. It's coming up already. I mean, my wife this morning said to me, Mexican wrestler dies in match with Rey Mysterio. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I think the Rey connection is really what's going to make it um, play in the U.S. a lot bigger just uh-huh. because obviously he was a big name in the United States. And then for him to just go back to wrestling. Yeah, he just he just goes back and have this happen. Yeah. Um, somebody else brought it up. It, yeah, that, you know, this is Chris Candido's birthday. Uh, he would have been 43 oh, wow. today, I think. And so it's just another one of those guys that, you know, jumps in your head and you're suddenly like, oh, yeah, he died young too, didn't he? And all these other ones. So it's just that time of year where I think a lot of people's are just, there's little things that remind them of, of wrestlers that we've lost. And so people have compared it to Masawa or mm-hmm. Owen Hart of just someone who dies in a, a moment. You know, it really seems like he, he might not have really even been able to make it to the hospital before he was really gone. Right. And years and years ago, you know, there was a wrestler in Mexico who did a dive on the outside, got cerebral hemorrhage and died. I think that was Oro. And so, you know, there there have been things like that, but there was no video at the time. And mm-hmm. so, like you say, the video aspect of it, I think, brings it all a lot closer and a lot faster. It makes people really want to dissect it a lot more. Well, I'm never going to watch that video again. I know that much. Um, but I do think this is going to get some play in the U.S. Um, if only for the reason that pro wrestling is seen as an quote unquote art form with absolutely no uh societal positive effects in some way it seemed it's seen as a gutter form of entertainment and any time you can get a chance to trash pro wrestling in 
in the mainstream to make yourself feel better. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain news organizations will do that. So I, 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 you know, and and make society feel better because hey, we can all trash pro wrestling fans because they're a bunch of, you know, toothless, brainless morons who watch a fake sport. You know, so I, I, I think it's going to get a little bit of play. And I, I think, was also I, just. And I think Vince, Mc, Vince McMahon will probably come out with some sort of statement going, well, they do something different. Our, ours are, you know, he'll, he'll do something to distance the WWE, especially given that this is WrestleMania week. I think that's the other thing is you have those two things coming together now. Well, and you have that big event that Rey Mysterio is doing next week in, in uh, uh, San Jose. Oh, trying God, to, yeah. You know, the big Q and a and all that. And so I just started thinking like, do you think he's going to cancel that? Do you think he's just going to go through with it? I mean, it's one of those show shows going to go on. It's going to be about his attitude and I'm sure he's going to have a good time. But at that, you just have that. If it was today, for instance, it would seem really it would awful to have a party the day yes. after a guy just died in the ring with you when it's a week later. And you know, if, if, especially if any information comes out, depending on how Ray feels about it, it's not like I'm going to think one way or the other about what he decides to do, but it just was one of those where it's like, wow, what a bad start for this guy for his, his, Mexican career, right? And it's just what what awful circumstances are transpiring. I have to think that he'll continue probably with that. Uh, yeah, if if that party was happening today or even tomorrow, I don't think it would be happening at all. Um, but I, I would imagine they still probably do it. Uh, the question and answer—that's probably the first thing that's addressed—is you know this situation. And you know, I I figure people going in will want to ask him about the WWE stuff, and I think most people in the U.S. will still want to ask him about that. But this is. Certainly a bad, uh, you know, because I, in a way, woke up to this news, and it's never something that you want to wake up to, even if it's not a situation you follow. We're all pro wrestling fans, and a pro wrestler died in the ring, and that's never something that we want to wake up to. Um, let's uh, let's move on from the uh, sad aspect of pro wrestling to some happy aspects of pro wrestling, and that is the greatest service WWE has ever done, and that is the WWE Network. Uh, Monday, after WrestleMania. March 30th, at noon, our favorite person in the world, George Berrios, along with Vincent Kennedy McMahon, will be hosting a WWE conference call talking about the prospects of WWE Network, the level of subscribers on Mania Day, as well as the 2015 programming schedule, which is uh, interesting uh, because I I seem to remember last year when they did this, Chris, and maybe I'm uh, misremembering things. I seem to remember when they announced the schedule it, nothing kind of went how they announced it originally. Yeah, there's some elements of that. I, I think it's interesting because I had a guy email me a couple weeks ago and he asked me straight out, will they announce the WrestleMania number immediately following WrestleMania? And I said, I don't know. I wasn't expecting them to announce the million number. And then they hit me kind of blindsided with that and the stock went through the roof. So then I was like, yeah, they probably will do something. But then they put out this press release, which I was happy to hear. Uh, a year ago, when they announced the 667-287 on uh, April 7th, the stock fell quite a lot because at the time it had been in a big rise during March, uh, building for the belief that domestic TV rights were going to be huge. And then it really collapsed starting in April, and then it collapsed even more in May. So the one thing that they've kind of learned is that they have to get ahead of this stuff, and they can't just you know trail behind and send out a press release and hope that's good enough. Now, when they, like you said, they announced the schedule the first time, you know, if you go back to that original presentation, a lot of the stuff that they said is there did happen. But some things, for instance, specifically the Daily Studio show, that never transpired. 
And then, of course, uh, there was the one call where Barrios told us that Tough Enough was coming back, and then that got delayed and delayed, and then eventually USA was the one that paid for it, so it's not really coming to the network. And um, we definitely have seen them kind of do a little bit more cost-cutting. I think there's that huge looming question, which is, what is the WWE Network? What is the WWE Network's live stream? And is there honestly any content that they could begin putting on there that is going to convince a certain caliber of fan to either continue subscribing or begin subscribing just because that content is now available. Is it really about the archive episodes of uh, Raw from the Attitude Era? Uh, is anything short of basically, you know, same week programming of Raw and SmackDown going to make a big difference to this company? What do you guys think? Jeff? <laughs> no. Um, and, I do, and I think WWE is so protective of its image and its brand that the archival stuff that they put up there will be mostly WWE-centric. Um, I think there's a certain breed of fan who wants the other stuff that they have in their library put up there. I, is, is this like a development slate? I haven't seen anything about any shows that they have in development of any kind. Um, I mean, even before they did this last year, we had heard rumblings of Legends House, which is, God, nobody wants Legends House Season 2, I don't think. Well, and that's that's really the the key with this is that uh, what they found was the most popular programming was live programming. The secondary most popular programming was essentially the brand new content, such okay. as main event or things of that nature, where you could almost argue it's live programming. But essentially, that that very first run stuff. The next most popular was the reality stuff, was the kind of original series stuff they did. So. Uh, uh, Legends House or stuff like that. And the least popular was essentially the um, the archival footage. Mm-hmm. And in mixed in there is stuff like Slam City would probably be in that tier two, tier three type area where they said that they were getting a lot of consumption of that on mobile devices and that people were really interested in that. And so that's more what they were moving in the direction of. So the one thing they, they kind of embraced was the idea that, well, we enjoy making brand new content that we seem to have the ability for people to reconsume a lot and they like that a lot. But what they haven't really figured out anything is what does that have to do with wrestling and what does that bring to like a wrestling fan? What I'm really curious is, do we think that we are going to see the drop off like we have in the past or is it going to be like last year? Because if you actually looked at the raw raw numbers from last year, they did manage every quarter to announce a number that was basically a little bit higher than the quarter before, which in a sense said we might have lost a whole bunch of people, but we were able to bring in a whole bunch of people, too. And now with less commitment, with the same 99 price, everyone kind of gets it. OTT is going through the roof right now. All these new services starting. Is there the possibility that they've actually retrained their fans just to not give a crap and they're just going to hold on to the service for a long time? Or do we think that we are going to see a massive drop off like last year? I'll listen to what you guys have to th- say first, and then I'll see if I echo or, or disagree or agree. I would I would think that we will see a fall off this year. Um, I, I don't know how much the not having to sign up for a six month stretch will impact it. Cause people who wanted to quit the network were finding a way to quit the network anyway, even with that restriction. But now the fact that it's month to month, I can see a lot of people signing up for this month and you may get some of them to check it out for a little bit longer, but I, you know, it could very easily be, you know, let's buy this show for 10 bucks and then not pay anymore for this month. So I, I can definitely see a drop off 
Uh, even those who signed up maybe in December, like heading into the Royal Rumble season, like, okay, we're going to subscribe for these three months because these are the big three months of WWE. It's not like television has been captivating people because uh, longtime fans and then you look at the ratings going into Raw this year compared to Raw's of uh, previous WrestleManias. It's not captivating an audience. And if you're not captivating an audience to watch Raw on USA Network, how are you going to captivate them to buy the WWE Network for 10 bucks a month when there's a ton of other options out there and the WrestleMania season is over? You know, all the big stars are coming in. The big stars will be gone. Like, what is that incentive to keep watching, you know, an Extreme Rules or a pay-per-view, like a Money in the Bank pay-per-view if everything you wanted was WrestleMania season and that's it? Um, I, I'm sure there's other reasons too. I just, I don't see how the numbers will go up from this. So you release that day after WrestleMania number, it might look really, really good. I anticipate it looking really, really good, but if they were releasing a number like one month later, um, it it probably wouldn't look quite as good. Jeff, what do you think? I'm I'm still getting over this polling data, to be honest with you. I think there'll definitely be a drop off, but I don't understand how they can look at that and say, I mean, if you take this away from it being wrestling and you take a look at fans of any other kind of entertainment, be be it a genre or be it a specific show. If you gave them five hours of free product on mainstream television, and then you're saying the network that you have is basically going to be a continuation of that with very little diversification of it, how you're actually going to maintain a fan base because People just don't watch wrestling. Wrestling fans don't just watch wrestling all the time. And their new programming or their new things are all in that kind of, for lack of a better term, fake world of wrestling, as opposed to actually peeking behind the curtain and and getting to know any of these performers or anything. I, I just don't, I don't understand how you can have an original programming slate on the network when you have so much product out there before you even get to the network and then say, this is just going to be a continuation of that product. And and I think that brings up one thing I've kind of argued with some people about, which is essentially the network had the potential to be a network, but instead all I see it is, is an OTT delivery service for live pay-per-views. There is extra content that is also available that by subscribing you have access to, but for the most part, this con- this entire service lives and dies by their ability to produce a live pay-per-view that makes people want to tune in and watch it, and they're selling it to you for 10 bucks. We have a long history of knowing how WWE fans consume pay-per-views. We know what they, their behavior is throughout the year. We know what happens when they're really interested in it and how they'll buy everything known to man, even when it's really crappy. We know when they're not interested in it, they'll just, you know, a lot of people just don't pay attention. And that it's the live current product that drives a lot of the interest. Now, what can they add to the slate that's going to make a difference? I think if they said every month we're going to have the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast live, he's going to have um, you know a big name in here and we're going to do that. that. That's a decent thing to announce because to Jeff's point, that kind of goes the idea of looking behind the curtain. You, get a, you, know, you felt like the interview with Triple H or that interview with Vince McMahon, you might have learned something that you weren't going to get on a complete sh- a worked interview. You know, there was obviously elements where they're both trying to control their their image. But, you know, we, we did get to talk a little bit about CM Punk. We did get that brass ring speech from Vince McMahon. We did get to hear a little about Triple H and his thoughts on NXT and those sort of things. So I, I like that. Um, 
I don't know what they can turn on. I don't know what they can offer. And so it's this really interesting thing. The good news is they only have to announce basically quarterly numbers. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have a huge number for 331. They don't have to announce another number until 630. And that number is not even going to be announced until July. So essentially, they buy themselves a lot of time with this announcement before they have to even really fight the fact that they're going to be losing a lot of people. And so ideally, yeah, if they can announce a slate of things that they're going to do, you know, there's still stuff you can throw on there. For instance, all those WWE films they have. Yeah, they're not great. But you know what? I would still love to have access to that entire library of films. Yeah. And one or two of them might interest me. And just like Jeff said, that's a non-wrestling piece of content that I might actually have interest in consuming when I myself as a hardcore fan find it hard to watch SmackDown every week, let alone main event, let alone superstars, let alone gazillion, you know, uh, uh, a wrap-up show with Renee Young or anything else. So I think there's opportunity there. The daily studio show I do think is going to happen at some point. And I think that's part of the best way for them to kind of start programming people to care about what's happening on the network at certain times. People have pointed out that things like Saturday night main event and whatnot are starting to get aired during, you know, Saturday nights, which is a decent idea. Things like that, which are really simple ideas. I always go back to the idea that I that was talked about on Goodwill Wrestling one time about, you know, I would love if there was like a liquid television version of professional wrestling where it was just short clips and promos and matches and everything just mixed together in kind of this frenetic, you know, psychedelic style. Stuff like that that would be really fun and interesting that, you know, might in, make you want to just go and turn it in. Because for me, I don't have an interest in going back to watch certain pay-per-views unless there's a very specific match I want. I'm not the type of guy who just sits down and says, I'm going to watch a whole pay-per-view right now. So it's just really hard to get that time commitment from me. And the one thing they seem to be focusing a lot more on is the idea of creating short-form content because they keep pushing more and more and more. We want to be consumed more by mobile users, and mobile users tend to be very much into this short-form content. So they have to figure out ways to deliver that. But um, you know, people are already complaining about the fact that there's some cool stuff that's on – the network that you have to basically go on the website, hit watch later, and then you then you can log on through your Hulu or through your Roku box or other places to actually watch it. So there, there's still issues with the compatibility of just the WWE network and how it's launched at this point. But um, we're in this year where we're seeing TV ratings way down. We're seeing TV ratings across many shows way down. We're seeing a very low raw rating going in for WrestleMania here, though historically that hasn't necessarily been the only guide to say whether it's going to work or not. But we're also seeing HBO about to launch their OTT service, where, of course, Netflix is very heavy in the game. And uh, Amazon has really been picking it up more and more with their producing of new programming. So I'm really curious whether or not all these new people trying to use OTT, is that going to make everybody else want to get in the game? Or is that going to really fight for the consumer's dollar? And then the next thing you know, we're going to see a lot of people dropping the WWE Network because they'd rather spend that money on a different OTT service. There, there are two things. Going going to your points that that I, I really like. I like the liquid television idea. Um, I would love to see like a pop up video type of show on the network where you get kind of some historical content. You get some behind the scenes things you didn't know. You know, in a half hour format of a very classic match or a classic show or something to that effect. I think that would go over really, really well on the network. The other thing, and this was a point that's been made by many, many people. I think you have to start. You have to theme the nights somehow so that you drive people who have different interests and different things about wrestling into it. I'm not saying different territories and stuff, but like, say, on NXT night, on Wednesday nights, it's all about young up-and-comers. So so going into NXT, your live show there, you have, say, the first couple matches that you have on video of a Shawn Michaels 
or of a Triple H maybe when he was Terra Ryzen in WCW or, or shows like that. And they all feed into a specific kind of theme that you go, okay, this is going to be the night I watch the network as opposed to the night I watch actual network television of some kind. I like the, uh, I think the podcast is something they should definitely be yeah, uh, making a regular thing, whether it's once a month. Um, I always, I, I've been going back and forth. Like the Stone Cold podcast is a good idea because obviously, you know, Steve Austin has this podcast and Steve Austin is a very popular guy. I don't know why they just don't make their own podcast out there, like hosted by someone in WWE, like that they can control, that they can own, that they can, you know, do whatever they want with and make it a TV show like that. It's an interesting idea because no matter what is said during the podcast by a Triple H or a Vince McMahon, people are glued into listening to it. They're intrigued by what these guys are going to say when it's not, you know, those characters on WWE Raw. But I, and and that was something Barrios talked about at um, I think it was the conference down in um, uh, uh, Florida from a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked him, "Have you been approached by Sirius or XM or any of those guys to do a podcast?" And they said, "Oh yes, we've been approached, and we're just trying to make the financial thing make it right for us and whatnot." And I know at one time. I I swear Michael Cole had something that he was doing, like some kind of show that he was going to be doing on there. And I don't know if that lasted or didn't last. And and they, of course, had played in radio many, many years ago, you know, 20 some years ago. They used to have WWF radio Mm -hmm. as an actual radio thing. So they've done it in the past. I think it's going to be one of these where they want to make money off of it. uh, So they're trying to get, you know, paid for it. And if it's like, you know, so many of their other projects, they'll put a lot of attention into it for the first three months and then. The next three months, a lot of people will forget about it, and then about a year and a half from now, it will slowly die and disappear. I mean, I was looking at the WWE tout uh, thing, and it was either January of this year or January of last year. They just kind of stopped posting on it, and it was just kind of funny to see how it just slowly disappeared over time. And so that seems to happen a lot with this company. Yeah, can I be the, Hold on. Can I be the guy to say that that's a terrible idea to have a WWE-centric podcast um, just because for this reason – I think Stone Cold brings a certain level of credibility that he's not trying to snowball the audience. I mean, we've we've watched the WWE call-in shows that were on USA on Saturday mornings or whatnot. I forgot the name of it right now. I know Russo hosted one. Livewire. Livewire, things like that, that were basically extensions of pro wrestling. I, I think the podcast audience is savvy enough where they kind of don't want to be for lack of a better term, worked and when they're when they're spending an hour listening to a show. They kind of, again, the peek behind the curtain type thing. And I don't think you're going to get that from a WWE micromanaged podcast. I think that, and yeah, Stone Cold doesn't, doesn't have free reign on his stuff when he does the behind the scenes things. I'm sure the, the questions are pre-screened and, and whatnot like that. But, but Stone Cold also has the credibility with the audience where, you know, it's not going to be like Michael Cole in full full shill mode. I'm with you in the sense that I have no interest in said show, probably if they're they're producing it, but I would say if they're going to put it on XM radio or something of that nature, there's some value to it just because I think there's so many people that want content and they just want to hear it live when they're driving around and doing it. I agree with you. It's not a good podcast download. Uh, it's really just more as a live thing, just the same way, you know, a lot of people listen to live sports talk radio and I just can't believe they do it every day, but they're like, Hey, I'm already in the truck. I have nothing better to do. So I just do that. I, All right. I completely disagree with the fact that it would not be 
one, it, I find it could be a very interesting download for a lot of uh, reasons. I think it would become popular because the same reason why whenever, you know, a guy like Taz or Chris Jericho starts a podcast, it's popular because they want to hear these opinions. But it wouldn't be too far different from that format. You could easily have like a guy like Ryback or Dolph Ziggler for an hour long form conversation talking about their real life that you could then use as something for their character on television or just a way to put over the stars and get that familiar uh that familiar feeling from the fans to these guys like, okay, these are real people. I like, I like Dolph Ziggler because I heard him on the WWE podcast and he told me about this story and it, it becomes something where these guys seem, you know, closer to you well, than they on. are just on TV. Hold on. Do you have the faith in WWE that they'd actually do that? Or would it be like it, an hour of Bray Wyatt talking about his life in the swamps in Louisiana? Well, here, that's, that's the difference here. It would have to be a certain, you have to have the if, stone cold if, podcast aspect. Just it doesn't if have to be hosted by Rus- Steve Austin. I think we can all agree, though, if Rusev's lawyer has to do a one-hour <laughs> and keep the accent, we would all listen to that show. Absolutely, I would. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it, take I want out- him to host. Are you it. kidding me? Take out, take out Steve Austin. So you have this podcast on the WWE Network, or you put a podcast out there on iTunes. Like, even forget being on Sirius Radio or AM or FM Radio. You just have this podcast that can be used as an advertising tool for WWE Network for whatever hey, pay-per-view you have running out. Because it doesn't cost a lot to do this. Any cost they hey, have would be in advertising. If, if George Berrios goes on the show, I will listen. I will call in. It will be, it will be fantastic. And we can, we can play Berrios Bingo with granularity. It will be a, it will be a but very good time. I mean, hold on, Jeff. This is why podcasts are out there. Podcasts are being used as an advertising tool. Most of them yeah. aren't, you know, money making themselves. They're to advertise something that you're selling, or to advertise, you know, for a lot of these guys like Steve Austin, you know, his conversations, and then he has the ads on his on his show. But you know, most podcasts out there are to advertise something you're selling. So why not have a WWE podcast that you can control? Yes. The content would have to be strong, like a Steve Austin podcast, as far as the long form interviews. But I wouldn't, you have a new guy, you know, you do 52 episodes of this podcast in a year. You have conversations with referees, you have conversations with the wrestlers, you have conversation theme episodes with some of the divas of NXT. And then you sell that event. Yeah, there's guys that have to go to television every week who sit there and do very, very little. And that there's guys on that writing staff who, sit there and, you know, don't necessarily have the ability to contribute because there's way too many, you know, too many cooks. Yeah. And so (laughs) I would love to see, you know, have X and Y get together and start doing that because at the very least, you know, if it ends out there that you get Luke Harper to talk for an hour about a character idea or something like that, and then somebody latches on, then finally, you know, they've spent an hour thinking about it. And how many guys have complained about, you know, Justin Gabriel was just complaining about his crazy where was it? Uh, the daredevil werewolf yep. idea he had. And it's just like, you know what? Maybe if that had been able to be fleshed out with someone from the creative team in a format like this podcast, maybe that would have been an opportunity for them to explore. So you, you could have, I'm, I'm, I didn't mean it was a bad idea. I just meant I myself right. and what I consume probably would not add it to my list right. yeah, because and, and right now I'm would. missing so much already. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad idea in theory. I think it's going to be, it would be a bad idea in execution. And it's kind of like watching, be, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like watching the Four Horsemen documentary and watching Arn Anderson be in character the entire time while everybody else is doing real talk. And it, it would drive, I think it would drive away fans because it wouldn't get a point. 
what you guys are saying and what you guys are pitching is a great, great idea. I don't have the faith in WWE's micromanagement of their product and of their intellectual property and their characters to let them go on a show without being in full, for lack of a better term, Miz mode. And not even that, too, but you're bring, you're paying money to bring in Steve Austin once a month for these WWE uh, St- Stone Cold podcasts. You're bringing in Steve Austin, you're paying him, and then you're giving Steve Austin the content. You're letting his podcast go out there with your, you know, with Triple H or Vince McMahon, and he's getting the content out there and reaping all the rewards of it. Why not just cut out that portion of it? Own it yourself. Have have Renee Young host the podcast. Have an interview with a different star. And then you own the content. You can put it on your network. You can release it with downloads. You can sell advertising for it. You can promote the WWE network with certain you know URL codes. I, I just don't see why they haven't done something like this yet because it costs nothing to produce nothing to produce it, really. Well, why not make it, the deal with Podcast One? Because then they'll they'll plug it across the, the board with other Podcast One podcasts. Like they do, and and bring Stone Cold in as an employee. It keeps them in the fold. It, it's a well, it's a win win. Well, I think they actually do have a contract with Stone Cold today already. Yeah. Uh, he has he has a a retainer kind of contract with them. Right. I I do think WWE always struggles working with somebody else because they always believe they can do it better themselves. <laughs> and and that's uh, that's why I'm in you know I'm inclined to let them do it better themselves. And I'm you know advocating cutting Steve Austin out of it. Cause I don't think you need a Steve Austin to be the host. I think the actual characters, the, the person that you're interviewing on that show can be the reason why people would download it. We'll see. We'll see. I, um, I just do, an idea, just an idea. No, no, I like it. I like it. I, I think, uh, uh Gagne can, uh, timestamp. This as the end of the podcast conversation, yes. Yes. but uh, I, I was going to ask you to, if we were to say numbers back to the WWE OTT numbers, uh, what, guess for WrestleMania, um, you know, I've, I've seen 1.2, 1.3, 1.4, way over 1.4 thrown out there. Just to give a little bit of context, last year, with a week to go before WrestleMania, they had 495,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. The day of WrestleMania, they had 667,000. So they gained almost 170,000 people in a week. And that was last year, right when they were ramping up. So this year, we know that in January, they had a million. Wasn't necessarily a million paid, but let's assume once you flush everything out, they have at least a million people coming in in the beginning of March with a free February. Where did they announce for this number for WrestleMania? Is it below 1.2? Is it above 1.5? Is it, you know, obviously right in the middle is an easy one to throw out. So get a little bit more specific. What do you guys think? I would go, I would say that if they are close to 1.4 million subscribers i wouldn't be surprised um we're a year later it's more familiar with you know the buying public about what these over-the-top uh services are uh and i i can see them pulling in a strong number the the negative to that is i don't think this wrestlemania has hit nearly now the resonating build as last year's did especially to who would be the public buying this service uh, you had last year the big Daniel Bryan run, and of course he was promoting to the hardcores and the fans who really wanted to see Daniel Bryan, and those I think were the types of people who would go out and purchase the service. This year I don't see you know a lot of kids buying WWE Network to see Roman Reigns beat Brock Lesnar. I just don't see that hook that you have uh, to get a lot of late buys for the show via the over-the-top t- service. But 1.4 wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I'd make a prediction between 1.3 and 1.4. 
partly for the ramp up that you talked about going into last year and the fact that this is a more familiar service now to the buying public. Jeff? I'll uh I'll lowball it and say one point two. Would that be considered a lowball, Chris, do you think? If it was one point two, yes. is that a lowball? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. My my originally in February I gave out a, an estimate and I went between one point two one and 1.39 i think it was Mm -hmm. and since then i've come down from that 139 for the reasons you mentioned the low ratings the fact that roman reigns push has not really caught on really heavily and i i just don't you know i i heard from some friends of mine who canceled after royal rumble and you know i've i've been as as critical as anyone of the whole canceled wwe network trend but when my my hardcore friends themselves told me they stopped subscribing, I was kind of like, really? And they're like, yeah, I don't know whether I'll get WrestleMania or not. One of them was like, I'm already going to a friend's house, so I don't need it for the month. So, you know, to me, I'm thinking if they came in at 1-4, that would be amazing. Um, last year, they did have a million people buy between pay-per-view and OTT. But I do think that pay-per-view number is going to be shockingly high. Because I do think that there's a segment that is just going to continue to buy this pay-per-view, even though they don't have to. Right. Um, I do think one three two was as high as I was willing to go the other day, so I'm I'm still hovering around that one two nine to one three two range. So I've I've kind of narrowed it down to that at this moment. But I don't have any really good metrics. I did do a survey recently about the network. I haven't got the results from that survey yet. So hopefully with the, those numbers that I'll hopefully get this week here. I'll be able to really, you know, go to a little more granular on my results. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it would be great if they they would be thrilled if they could get one four because what to me, their goal for the year is to end the year with an average over one million. And that's hard to do mm-hmm. because you're giving away a free month. February, you have this UK launch with these weird 21 day protection laws where you can cancel online. You can get your money back after 21 days and all this stuff. And you have this long stretch of time between April and December where WWE just doesn't know how to program very much. That's going to be that compelling short of, like someone said, a uh, reality series starring Brock Lesnar, where he has to be roommates with somebody. That's about the only thing left that I think would (laughs) would get a huge, huge uh, subscribership. Let me ask something. Do you think that there's any there's a significant number and by significant i don't mean that big i mean maybe a couple hundred thousand 300,000 people 200 that would be willing to pay for wrestlemania or buy the network to see the return of the undertaker do you think that's a drawing factor in this year's card at all hmm good question um if the undertaker had been built up a little bit better yes if we had really played the whole like undertaker's going to retire no he's not he's coming back angle i think that would have been worth something the way he's been built up here i don't think most people even realize as a casual fan whether the undertaker's coming back or not because you know it's not been a mainstream thing it's not been a big deal like undertaker comes back from streak with brock lesnar and is fighting bray wyatt you know that that really hasn't been the headline that i've been noticing at least personally and and especially for the fact that you watch raw and a lot of the build has been bray wyatt promos backstage they've been on the tron they go maybe two or three minutes and they're over like even the brock or the bray wyatt side of this it's not like he's been on tv for 15 to 20 minutes at a time pushing this they had the one in-ring angle with the lighting the chair on fire and that's kind of it if you blink or skip commercials you may have missed the entire build for the bray wyatt undertaker do you think that's the closing image of this week's raw no i don't they have to do brock and roman okay yeah, I, I mean, I think the Sting stuff is interesting. I do think the Sting thing, if you're a casual fan, 
and you're flipping through channels and you saw Sting standing there with Randy Orton, that might have got you excited and thinking, right. oh, I, I, I'm really curious to see what Sting's up to. And I do think that he has some draw power with him. And, uh, you know, the question also has been thrown out there, just change subjects, is what do you do with Sting in the future here? Do you use him again in a ring? And then do you use him as a singles or a tag? Because I could totally see a, a tag match with Sting, you know, Sting and Cena versus Triple H and somebody else or something of that nature in the future. Well, Jeff and I talked about this on Shake Them Ropes this week is I could easily see them doing. Uh, you have a strong Undertaker win with Bray Wyatt. You have Sting beating Triple H. And for the next year, and this ties into the WWE Network because you can pro- promote the history of these two guys by watching the WWE Network. I could see the post-Mania Raw with a face-off between Sting and The Undertaker, and there's a match already for WrestleMania 32 in Dallas. Like, that's your promotion. You got these two guys winning strong at WrestleMania 31, and then there is your dream match for WrestleMania 32 when everyone was crying how we didn't get Sting and The Undertaker this year. We're, we're going to get a year-long build for it at WrestleMania 32. I don't think you see Sting in a ring until WrestleMania 32. Oh, I could see them totally blowing any goodwill and making Sting the commissioner of WWE post-WrestleMania. And how are the authority going to get one up on Sting? So, I mean, either way, I mean, they, they could go either way on this. That's the scary thing. I feel well, let's, let's, let's not forget that they The Rock wrestled The Miz in our truth right, at Survivor right. Series. <laughs> you, yeah, and you could maybe, and you might see Sting, but like maybe I'm being way too optimistic on this entire yes. show about everything. But uh, I think that I would like be pretty the, cool. I, I like the idea of being able to say for one hour or two hours a week for the next year, we're going to have the Sting Hour and the Undertaker Hour, yes. where we show you a show with a classic Sting match. We show you a st- uh, it's something with a classic Undertaker. And, mm-hmm. you know, God knows both of them have enough library content that is owned by this company yeah. that God, even I mean, without the, 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 ten, you know, the TNA run, there's still a ton of Sting stuff for them to go back to. And there's certainly enough Undertaker stuff. Mookie, that's a fantastic idea. I'm putting you in charge of this network. I just... <laughs> but, I mean, you a Monday night, maybe before or after Raw, you have an hour of the best of Undertaker versus Sting, and that's your build for this match. You don't need to have Undertaker and Sting on the show for a year, but you can use the WWE Network to build it. God forbid you get subscribers to go watch the Best of Sting Undertaker because they know that's a match they're getting. Um, and then, you know, you need a hook for WrestleMania 32 at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. And, you know, that's the dream match that everyone was asking for. It probably wouldn't be the main event of the show, but that's one hell of a semi-main as far as the aesthetics go. Sting and The Undertaker finally at WrestleMania. And the biggest part of it would be the synergy with WWE Network. There's so many ideas. So many ideas. What are we going to get from George Barrios? Probably a new season of WWE Countdown. <laughs> <laughs> or or um, uh, uh, he'll, he'll start promising the Tuesday Night Wars because he promised the Monday Night Wars for a good eight months there before we finally got it. And so he'll just keep moving on. WWE, on. WWE Cribs. DV, Diva's House. <laughs> we'll, we'll finally get the Swedish version, international version of superstars that have all those Ludwig... Orga matches that weren't aired in the U.S. and I, all the I, other good stuff. I must say, like, Jeff joked about that, but I would watch Diva's House. <laughs> count count gonna, me as a viewer. We're going to get a lot more of clip shows where we hear The Miz giving fake opinions. That's what we're going to get. 
The guy knows yes. his role. The Miz is no Alex Riley. He knows where his bread is buttered. He's yeah. he's gearing up for the long haul in WWE, this guy. So have you guys already given your prediction on who's winning the NXT Battle Royal uh, spot? Oh, interesting. Oh, did you read about you, Have you heard about that, Rob, or no? No, I haven't. Uh, at Access, they're doing a Battle Royal, and the yes. winner of that Battle Royal gets entrance into the Andre the Moore... Andre the Giant Memorial, Andre the Memorial Giant Battle Royal, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I there's only one man it can be, honestly. Who? Sami Zayn. It could be Adrian Neville, but I think it'll be Sami Zayn. I got news for you. I mean, I, this was the opinion I put out there, and I put it out as a joke. But you remember what they did with Rusev and the Royal Rumble, right? I do. They could do the same thing with Baron Corbin here. Yeah, I I don't know um, because I don't see him coming up to WWE TV in the next six months. And at least Rusev was coming up there. I also, just to finish the Sami Zayn point, and then Chris uh, will get your thought on this. Sami Zayn is selling the injury still on NXT TV, and it's still ongoing. So I guess it could be someone else other than the Sami Zayn. But if I was to pick someone aside from him, I guess I would go Adrian Neville. I don't think it makes sense to put Owens up there yet. doesn't make sense to put Finn Balor up there yet. But Chris, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say you brought up the guy I was going to say, Alex Riley. I think you just throw yeah, a scrub on well. and then that way he's not new to the TV. And so you can do whatever you want with him when he's up there. And, and you know, it's your last kind of hurrah with the guy. Calling so Alex he gets Riley in. He doesn't win, yeah. but, you know, just another guy. And same thing they did with Bo Dallas because he won yeah. the qualifier to get in Royal Rumble back when was it 2013. Yeah. And they went nowhere with it. Uh because they flew in Harper and they flew in a bunch of other guys and they all had like a, a one night tournament to like decide who is going to go into the Royal Rumble. You so, know, that aspect, yeah, that aspect would be interesting if you were rehabbing a couple guys from the main roster on NXT and you had a little bit of intrigue about that. I think that'd kind of be cool, but I still think they're going to feed someone to the wolves. That's way too early. I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you could do there. I guess it's interesting. I don't appreciate Alex Riley being referred to as a scrub on this show. Enzo Amore. That's, <laughs> I actually was going to thank big cast. Like if you're going to have this big segment with the big guys like Mark Henry Kane and the big show and you have Cass in the match and he's like, who is this young kid who's bigger than all of us? Well, that was my thinking with Baron Corbin as well. Yeah. Continue. Right, Baron Corbin would look like a shrimp compared to all these guys. Big Cass at least stands over Kane and at least stands tall with the big show. Not Baron Corbin would be dwarfed by those guys. That's not a bad idea, to be honest with you. So speaking of NXT, somebody was very vociferous. Vociferous. I'm very impressed. Um, uh, arguing <laughs> with me about what is the viability of NXT as a touring brand because they were saying look at it they just did 4,000 in San Jose they're super hot down uh, where they are there and yeah. they're, you know, they're big in the Arnold Classic in, in, in Cincinnati wherever it was so it's this big opportunity there and I was kind of given the counter argument said ECW was a touring brand that, tried, that WWE tried to tour by itself and it was such a miserable failure. WWE basically tried to cleanse the books to not admit that it happened. If you go and look at the financial statements, they basically knock out all the ECW-only touring events after they close the brand down, just so they wouldn't have to see it dilute their overall attendance numbers mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And so the the counter to me was, well, therefore, they should start doing just pay-per-view weekends because that's the only time that WWE production staff is really not working 
that Saturday night before a big show. And I thought, oh, that's an okay idea because you you, you already kind of had those access built in and you, you might have fans. But I, I don't know. You guys follow NXT so much closer than I do. What do you think is the viability of this? Because it tries to tour in Florida and it just draws a couple hundred people when it tours there. Yeah, people talk about it being super hot in Florida because they grow from 200 fans to 400 fans. Uh, you know, percentage wise, yeah, they're growing big time. But still, you know, they run monthly in the same buildings. So it's good that they're drawing more. But at the same time, it's 400 fans. That's not going to be viable as a touring brand nationally. Um, I-, I always thought the idea is if they did uh, these national tours with the top talents of NXT, they would still do the Florida tours as the developmental tour uh, for all the lesser uh Lesser guys down there, the guys who are still learning, the Chad Gables and the like. Um, Well, the argument given to me was WWE house shows are meaningless. Unless you're a kid, you don't have a great draw for why you want to go to a house show because mm -hmm. you pretty much are just going to see a warm up for what they're going to do on television. Right. However, seeing NXT live would be really exciting for the fans that used to care about house shows because it would be seeing these stars that, you know, have a chance to do a lot more. But for how long? So that was. Is is the question because if say they tour and they're touring every weekend, eventually it just becomes because they're already NXT. The NXT house shows aren't like anything is meaningful. Anything meaningful is happening. I they're good matches and everything like that, but it's not like anything is meaningful is happening. For instance, on the Cleveland house show that they had, you know that stuff isn't going to be on TV. The house show that's going to be in San Jose will be excellent for those, you know, you guys out there who are going to WrestleMania will get a chance to see these guys who you probably have never seen live, like never, ever seen a guy like Finn Balor live. And this is your chance. It's excellent. But if they tour long term, it's going to be like a John Cena house show or a Daniel Bryan house show eventually with lesser known stars. I don't know if the viability is people that think they're going to start drawing as much as SmackDown TV shows. And, you know, those types of house shows. No, no, it's not even close. I mean, exactly. Average 6,000 people uh, a show in in 2014. They averaged 5,000 people a house show. So that 6,000 number is pay-per-views and TV tapings and whatnot, taking the average up. Um, It's not even close. And so that's the other and also the the structure of how NXT guys have paid is totally different mm-hmm. because when you go on the road with NXT, they basically pay for everything for you because it's part of your developmental contract. When you become main roster, you're responsible for all your transportation and your hotel short of plane tickets. So it, it's not even the same kind of basis on on what it is. And yeah, you could pay the guys less, but it, it doesn't matter. It's it's not the same thing overall. And also, it just kind of dilutes the whole idea of what is developmental's purpose. Now, on the flip yes. side, if you if you change it to say developmental's purpose is to teach you how to work in front of a live crowd and react to different things, maybe a house show is a good way to really get them really doing. But that's what they do already. They take the guys and they put them in the dark matches before on house shows or before Raw and SmackDown and things like that to teach them a little bit. Is it enough? Of course not. If we had a real developmental territory that was, you know, segregated off and they could do what they needed to do, just like they had planned to do 10 years ago, that would have been great for the system. But now we're in a different world, different time, different plan. Well, here's the thing. It wouldn't be developmental anymore. The developmental will be those who are still in Florida. If NXT is going to be a touring brand, there's a couple of different ways you can go about it. If they're going to be a touring brand where there are house shows every week, then those guys are going to be 
a la main roster guys as far as the NXT main roster. And the developmental guys will be touring house shows in Florida and working at the Performance Center. So it'll be like a different thing. Or you could do what Triple H is doing now, which is really smart, putting NXT house shows in places that will draw those hardcore fans that watch it on the network aligned with other special events. You know, putting it in a New York City when a big event is going on, putting it in NXT San Jose. I don't see Triple H having an NXT house show in Des Moines, Iowa on a random March weekend. I just don't see that happening. Like this is when we talk about them touring nationally, I see them doing what they're doing now and touring selective cities on selective dates that match up with something else that will draw an audience. Well, exactly. Is this an indie with some corporate backing to it? Or is it a place where we're trying to build up new guys for our system? Because the moment this, this becomes anything other than, I mean, the moment you take those indie darlings off the roster and move them up is a moment that an NXT touring brand dies because you don't have enough to cover for, you know, your Bull Dempsey versus Baron Corbin matches and whatnot. I mean, if you if you bring the Divas up, that takes away something away from what makes NXT right now. Right now, I think NXT is special in a vacuum in that it's, Everything has kind of come together to make this a well-rounded show in terms of you have all these top guys from various small indies, you have a very strong women's division, and you have a, quite a few new acts that have a lot of up-and-coming promise. The moment you start poaching them for the new roster, or for the main roster, and you start watering down the NXT brand, and you start getting headline shows with the Lucha Dragons versus the Vaude Villains. Well, it is a moment that's going to die. Let me stop you right there because this notion that they would, in the next three years, call up all of these guys to WWE TV when we only see about four called up a year anyway, and they're signing all these new guys from ROH, the Briscoes, Samoa Joe, you're going to have other names being signed as well, and there's talents that haven't even debuted on NXT TV yet that are going to draw a similar audience, and you can put them over in a similar way. I don't think this notion that all these guys would make the main roster and NXT would be devalued is a reasonable expectation because I don't see all of them coming up. And we've talked about on this show before how some of these guys are being signed with the intent to be in NXT, not the intent to be in developmental eventually to go to WWE. These guys are being signed for the intent to stay in NXT and be there until, of course, things change. But that's the intent going in. Well, I understand that. But even as it is now, NXT isn't hitting it out of the park week after week for an hour television program. On TV. That's right. Yeah. But, I mean, your house shows are going to sometimes reflect that. I I don't know. I think the house shows are more of the fact that they want to see these guys wrestle. and, And it could be, you know not even relating to TV in some no. ways. Okay. Well, I mean, and that's the second part of my point. I think the places you send NXT are the places these guys were already big. Your Philadelphia's, um, your Chicago slash Ohio's where there was a strong ROH presence. Um, Austin, Texas would probably be a great NXT town, to be honest with you. It'd be an interesting one for sure. Chris, what do you... The, Bur- the Burbank Moose Lodge to yeah. compete against PWG. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, you're going to the NXT house show in San Jose, are you not? Uh, if my ticket is real, I don't oh. know. What what I was sent over looked very suspicious. I sent you the ticket. It better be real. <laughs> <laughs> looks like you scanned it. 
faxed it to yourself using an AOL computer and then got CompuServe to uh, uh, give you a digital dot matrix output. But yeah, are no. you are you kidding me? Because I actually PDF'd it and then I thought it looked. I mean, I have them printed out. I'll bring. No, it. no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, yeah, I'm looking forward to going to the show. Uh, I. I am really far behind on NXT. All I know is that there's blue pants, but there's no longer green pants, black pants, or or yellow pants yet. So I'm I'm kind of hoping maybe for some expansions there. But uh, I, I'm I'm excited about the show. I I really think it'll be really interesting. I'm so happy that it's just down the street from where Foley's doing his set. You know, when all things were announced, I think I was most excited about going to Mick Foley's show, mm-hmm. and then I got the tickets to that. And then since then, Jim Ross's show has been announced. The NXT show has been announced. Um, you know, things have changed with WrestleMania card. And so I have to say, I think I'm least excited about the Foley show now. And I'm most <laughs> excited about WrestleMania and NXT and, and the Jim Ross thing. So it's just been really funny how, how priorities change. So I have a lot of catching up to do. I'm really out of it when it comes to NXT, short of just reading what's been going on. So I'm looking forward to uh, sitting and standing next to Jeff and having him explain to me who all these people are. You gotta, you gotta catch up on the hottest feud in WWE today. Don't. Which is Alex Riley and Kevin Owens. <laughs> oh my God. It's the hottest I, thing going. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find some Briley Pierce on the network and watch that instead. Briley Pierce wasn't bad. You know, my favorite Briley Pierce moment. <laughs> I do not. Is Dean Ambrose's debut promo. Where Briley just stands there as Dean's going wacky, and Briley's like, "Who is this guy?" That's my favorite Briley Pierce moment. That was, that was such a that was such a loaded question. You want to know my favorite Briley Pierce moment? <laughs> the fact that I have one may say something about yeah. me. Oh, that's yes. <laughs> that's like asking for your your favorite Antonio Pulaski moment or whatever Roadkill was known during his uh, very brief stint. That's true. Yeah. Anyways, he was there. I that's forgettable. He, <laughs> the fact that he was there. <laughs> oh, I did a I did a great article one time for What Culture about just guys that came to de- to uh to WWE that you would not have actually realized. Like Johnny Swinger had his whole run yep. as uh under his father's name. Um god, what was it? Cuz uh, he pretty much did heat matches the whole time. But uh, Johnny Swinger had a long run in WWE where he just did nothing at all. What, Johnny Pulaski, wasn't it? I think it was because his father was a oh, tag team champ back in like the WWF. Yeah. And uh, that was the connection there. And there's just lots of uh, uh, bizarre, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, guys that have been through the system over the years that you just kind of like, wow, I really did forget that Tony Mamaluke did get hired back by WWE for a short, <laughs> for a couple of weeks there and, and that sort of thing. Johnny Parisi, um, Johnny Parisi. There it is. Yes, that was it. Cause Tony Parisi was his dad yep. and, uh, or at least was the name that he was taking. I think it was his father, but maybe it could be like a Zabisco thing where it's just, you know, they make up a name and, and throw it on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fujinami announcement for Hall of Fame. Uh, maybe you guys have covered this already, but pretty surprising okay. choice, don't you think? Oh, God, yes. I would think they'd put in Tenru before they put in Fujinami, because at least Tenru has some WWE tape they could go to. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I for my own entertainment. And, WC, and WCW, for that matter. I mean, yeah, people, people can check out IndeedWrestling.blogspot.com where I did all these Fujinami facts. Uh, just because I was going through trying to find, like, who did he wrestle 
that maybe, you know, we, would be a connection to his besides Ric Flair. I was trying to find like, was there, you know, when the WWF junior heavyweight days, was there anybody? I was like, well, Johnny Rods technically is alive and he did defend the title once against Johnny Rods and, and, um, went through, but it was amazing. I mean, Fujinami started in 71 and has been wrestling ever since. And he wrestled all the Poffos. He wrestled Lanny, Randy, and the father Angelo in a match one time. He wrestled uh, both Davy Boy Sr. and Davy Boy Jr. He wrestled uh, uh, four Guerreros, Mondo, Hector, uh, Chavo, and Eddie as a Black Tiger, and just all these other ones. And so it was really fascinating when I was just going through all the people he wrestled and how many matches he had. But uh, it's just such a strange thing. And then, of course, it's the question of like, I, I don't think I've heard him speak English. I don't know if you guys have. So is he going to go through a translator? Is he just going to, you know, they already, they, they keep the speeches so short these days anyways, for half these guys, unless you're named Lita, that it's just, you know, whatever. So oh, he's got to be the new host of the podcast. <laughs> what do you think, Fujinami? Mm. Just mm. once. Every <laughs> don't appreciate this like mocking of my podcast idea, but no, <laughs> That's fine. I mean, do what you want. This is, I feel bad for this segment because this is going to be for the live audience there. Like they'll be polite, I believe during this, but I don't, I don't think it has that much interest. I think people ta- are waiting take, for this segment to end. I'll take it more than giving him a five minute clock. Like they did the funks and Abdullah. They're going to have to keep yeah. him short. Yeah. But it, I just thought it was really interesting. I think that's kind of cool because, hey, maybe I will maybe I can buy a Fujinami t-shirt while I'm yeah. at WrestleMania this yeah. year. I'm sure it's just the one t-shirt with everybody on it. But right. if they had any Fujinami-specific thing, I just think that would be so cool. And and I, I do think it's part of the ploy. You know, it's funny how they did it. When they inducted Inoki, uh, do you remember what they did for WrestleMania that year? Uh, not specifically in context here, no. Oh, they had Yoshitatsu win the the Dark oh, Battle Royale. Yeah. I was there. Like, yes. Oh, and so did. that was the one because they had all the press there already. Um, I think it was one of you actually was telling me about how they had all the baseball press there too because yep. the um the the Japanese star was in town. Who was that? Uh Hideki Matsui was there. And yeah, and so the press was all there, so they wanted to like really pile it on because Hideki was excited to see Antonio Noki and then they had Yatsu win, and then they had a backstage thing with the two of them and whatnot. Nope. And so There's, this could just you, be a ploy on. for the Hideo Nomo, or nope. Hideo Itami. Hideo Itami's <laughs> winning that NXT Battle Royal, and he's going on to win the Andre the Giant one. If he yeah. if he finally gives the go to sleep to like Kane in the Andre Battle Royal, that'd be the greatest moment of all time. Oh God, I'd I'd regret not going that, to WrestleMania. That would be my favorite Briley Pierce moment. <laughs> Um, but I just thought that was interesting. And so it could just be a play for the Japanese audience that now they're it just going to yeah. try to get a international star every year of somewhere that they can get. And they haven't actually launched the WWE Network in Japan yet. So I'm sure this is also part of their plan. As they keep saying, that's one of the countries that they've listed, along with China and India and some other places where I absolutely do not for the life of me think that they're going to be able to launch the network anytime soon. But um, just interesting things to me little tidbits i'm not going to the hall of fame myself so i guess i won't even see fujinami except for when he stands on the stage 500 feet away from me so what event are you going to are you going to something during that or just taking like a saturday night and kind of being because it'll be what four o'clock on saturday out there yeah i don't even know like 
I think it's just um, I'm going with my wife, and so we're we, I didn't want to get her too right. uh, uh, yeah. tired out. So we're pretty we're we're pretty easygoing when it comes to just like go out there. I have this enormous stack of books mm-hmm. that I've had since Christmas and my birthday that I have yet to read. Everything from Jim Henson to uh, uh, the history of De- Doug Hennig to the uh, uh, Encyclopedia of Murders and things like that. So oh, wow. I have so many things to read that I'll just probably spend a lot of time reading and then spending time with friends that live out there and, and hanging out. And this and I've spent a lot of time in San Francisco before, but I've never really been in San Jose. And so the only thing I, I am really hoping to do is at some point actually meet Dave Meltzer because I've, I've never actually met Dave. So oh. it would be kind of fun just to say hi to him uh, one way or the other. Did you meet Dave when he was at the PWG show? Uh, I, no, I didn't. I was, I was, I didn't get to meet any of them. I met Dave at, at the Vegas conventions a couple times. Yeah. And Rob, have you met Dave, your employer? I have met Dave. I, uh, I met him at the Vegas convention this year it was the first time I almost met him, uh, when I was out in San Jose for a work trip. Cause I was working for a company that's based in San Jose when I was, uh, or Cupertino to be exact. Um, Ooh. when I went out there, I emailed him. And I said, hey, I'm uh, I'm not going to have the West Coast feed of uh, or the East Coast feed of raw. I'm not going to be able to write a report. I'm here in San Jose, so I don't have the show in my hotel. And he responds, well, do you just want to come over and watch it? And that was probably one of the more intimidating emails I've ever gotten. And did you say yes? No, Ray, I, I couldn't. When someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't. Do that. First of all, I I don't know. I mean, I never met the guy before, and I'm sure it would have been fine. I go over watch Raw. <laughs> I, I go over watch Raw. Like he would have been, you know, probably we would have gotten in some type of pro wrestling conversation. I wouldn't have actually watched Raw. I'm sure because we've just been talking pro wrestling for a little while. Um, but no, I was a little intimidated and I was there for a work trip. So I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be unavailable for three hours in case, you know, I had to do something work related, but yeah, it was one of those things where like, I could have been watching raw inside Demelts's house. Hey Rob, you want to come to my basement and watch this five star all Japan women's match from 1995? Yes, please. <laughs> now you have to go out to the shed and uh, start searching around from the famous uh, video. But uh, I, you know, Dave often will refer to like, oh, I had these people over for the pay per view, or I had these guys watching the show with me, and it just kind of strikes me because I was like. When I was in high school, I had Raw and SmackDown parties all the time with, with a bunch of dudes. And so the, the <laughs> seven or eight of us would get together. We'd watch. We'd play Raw Deal. We'd uh-huh. go to Friendlies afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and this became quite a, quite a thing all through college, in fact. But as I've gotten older, I spend less and less time watching wrestling with groups of other people oh, unless yeah. it's live. It's, so I think it's funny that Dave at his age appears to still have Kurt Brown and some other guys coming over <laughs> to the house every week. Oh, yeah. He's you know, making t- them up. They're all imaginary people. Except maybe yeah, <laughs> yeah, or or he refers to his other family members as people that have visited him because he sees them so little that <laughs> it's the only time they know where he's going to be for a while. But, I do uh, I do mind like Alvarez. I hide it from people as long as I can. <laughs> yeah, I, I I haven't watched people. I think the only time I ever watched with groups of people was like WCW pay per views back in the day because <laughs> no one wanted to buy it by themselves. No, no one wanted to no. buy it by yourself and it, you kind of had to have a party to be interested in it for the three hours. Yeah. Like I, I would buy WWF pay-per-views and I would be transfixed on the pay-per-view, but like right. the WCW pay-per-view you're watching it for three hours, not caring until usually the main event was kind of like a big deal for them uh, on their show. So like you were waiting for the main event and that was what? why you had the party. 
what what's your memory of maybe a pay-per-view that you spent your own money on and then you watched it and at the end you're just like i this was the worst one i've ever seen i i regret watching this i mean you never bought like heroes of wrestling or anything did you no never have done a heroes of wrestling um i don't know what pay-per-view i mean i got the survivor series the one where uh the rock and shane turned on mankind like yes. I think 98, maybe the 98 Survivor Series, maybe 99 Survivor Series. And I remember looking at the end of that show, like Dwayne Gilbert was in the Survivor Series. Like it was a tournament and, you know, mankind gets screwed in the final. And yeah, so it was on, so the on. Deadly Games one or something. Yeah, I think it so, was. And then and they did they did a mock out of the because uh, uh, Foley put himself in the uh, uh, manable claw or something to knock himself out. So he wouldn't tap out to the ankle lock. Was that the one? Um, maybe I'm going to look up the survivor series, but I remember watching, it was my first WWF pay-per-view ever being purchased. And I just remember kind of being a little disappointed, but yeah, it was the, uh, it was the deadly games, um, where the rock and mankind was the main event. I mean, look, there were 18 matches on this show. Yes. Yes. I know, I, I know that one just from when I do my refreshes of my data set. Yeah. One of the things I do is is when you get the cage match ones, they puts all matches together in one line. Mm-hmm. So then I have to break it out. And so then I always have a count function where I say, how many matches are there? And <laughs> if you go back to like the superstar tapings of from the, the early 90s, you get up to like 24 or 28 matches. But the longest one I can think of is probably Survivor Series with with the 18 matches there. Yeah, 18 matches on the show. I remember being disappointed after that because it was all just a blur and then you had the screw job at the end and it was like, oh, well, I could have saw that coming. But like you had, you know, superstars like The Rock and The Undertaker and Mankind and Steve Austin in this tournament. And to get all the geeks out, you had X-Pac versus Steven Regal go to a double count out just to get some of these guys out of here. Like I I remember that pay-per-view being a little disappointed and I didn't buy another WWF pay-per-view for a long time because of that, because, you know, I could have the parties with the WCW pay-per-views and it was enjoyable. And then the one WWF pay-per-view I got was disappointing. And I'm like, that kind of soured me for a long time to the point where the next pay-per-view I actually bought, I believe, was WrestleMania 17 in 2001. So it was a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. We, we, we always talk about the time we got together and we did the 12-hour pre-show for WrestleMania 2000. Where they had like, and then we played No Mercy. We had a, a huge No Mercy tournament in the other room, and I don't think we've ever left a room hating each other more than when we spent like twelve hours together just watching wrestling. We all hated wrestling so much by the end. And that again, yes. I was such a big Foley fan at the time. And you know, the big big angle he'd been done. He came back, and then he does that awful <laughs> the Foley the Foley elbow up where he thinks he's going to jump across, and instead he just lands on the on the announce table and crumples into a heap. And it was just like he was out of shape and it was bad. And oh, God, that was that was a really, really kind of low point for just it wasn't a low point in general, but just it felt so weak at the time. No, but I was going to say the worst pay-per-view I can think of is I just remember one of those dying day WCW pay-per-views. And I just have that vivid image of like Sting and Vampiro battling on top of the uh, the giant screen and then one of them getting set on fire and thrown off. Because this was in the era of Shane McMahon doing stupid stunts and Chris Canyon doing stupid stunts and all that. And just like, oh, God, this is just such a terrible (laughs) pay-per-view. Oh, good old WC. Jeff? Oh, mine's fairly easy. Slamboree 93. Uh, 
because they had been promote because I'm an old school NWA WCW guy. They had been promoting the reunion of the Horsemen for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I bought this pay per view, and it was a bunch of matches with old guys that. Not that the old guys sucked, but the matches sucked mostly, except for towards the end. But in the middle of it was. Are you telling me? Are you telling me Sting versus the Prisoner did not (laughs) captivate you? (laughs) No, it didn't. But I I just remember okay, here comes the big thing I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for this thing since 89 when Arn came back to the NWA to fight JTEX. Tully's coming back to the Horsemen. This is going to be awesome. And they come back. Tully's not there, and they make this that convoluted statement. Oh, Barry! Barry must have gotten to him because Arn Anderson and Barry Wyndham were going to have a match later. Tonight. And they introduced the newest Horseman, Paul, Paul Roma. Roma. And I just, I went, I paid money for this shit, and I was, I, my, despite the great Hollywood blonde Steamboat and Douglas match, my rage for the next hour and a half could not be contained. To the point where I'm just screaming at people whenever they try and talk to me. It's not even. This is my family I'm talking about because I didn't have a group at this point because it was everybody had basically laughs. But I'm like, I sat through a damn Ivan Koloff and Baron von Raschke versus Thunderbolt Patterson and Brad Armstrong match to get to my effing horseman reunion, and I didn't get my effing horseman reunion that they had been plugging for a good four weeks on television, and I was just, I was like, I I want a refund, but I don't know how to get one, and I don't know how to explain it to anyone if I could. (laughs) See, the next year Slamboree has one of my favorite gems of all time. I love love the next year. The Terry Funk versus uh, uh, Wyndham match. Which is just in I'm sorry, Blanchard match. Blanchard, which is yeah. just like at one point Terry tries to tear up the steps and like get a wooden board out yep. just to hurt people with. Yep. And I, it was so insane and great and fantastic. And so I always think people are talking about that show. And then I went back and looked there and I was like, oh no, they're talking about the '93 one where Dory Funk fought I think Kaninsky or something yeah. in a not not fun time. But no, he fought into the he, list no, no, of it was, it was it was Funk and Bach. Bachwinkle. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was with Dory Kineski Funk. was with, with Dory Funk, I think. Yeah, no, I no, that next year's one's great. The other underappreciated match on that one is uh, Zabisco versus Regal, which is just a stall fest, but it's great. <laughs> I was just watching, um, I was watching, I got on a Regal kick a couple weeks ago, and so I was watching good Regal stuff, and people were recommending it, and I watched that Steamboat Regal, and by yeah. God... They do some stuff in there where you watch it and you're like, I don't think 90% of today's roster could even do half of the moves that either Regal or Steamboat are doing here. Just kicking him out randomly in a match. Just these fantastic roll-ups and and just, you know, suplexes and whatnot. It was just so entertaining. And and I couldn't believe just – it was one of those things where you're like, wow, wrestling has fallen in terms of what they did. It's just so much more fun. Yeah, I wish Sid was still around. (laughs) <laughs> what is what is what is your favorite Sid moment? Oh, my favorite Sid moment easily. The night of the reboot of WCW Nitro where you have Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo vacate all the championships and Sid is the WCW World Champion on this night. So, the Millionaires Club, all the rich guys come out on the stage and they're take and Bischoff and Vince Russo are taking the belts out of everyone from uh, all the guys in the ring and the last belt that Bischoff has to collect 
is Sid Vicious's WCW world title. And Sid Vicious cuts a promo. If you want this belt, Eric, come down here and take it. And Eric Bischoff, no-selling master, smiles and says, okay. And he goes up there and takes it. From Sid Vicious, one of the top babyface badasses in WCW, Eric Bischoff makes him cower and hand over the belt like a bitch. And that was my favorite moment. Sid's actually responsible for my for the other pay-per-view I regret buying, and that was uh, Starcade 89 Future Shock, which was the uh, the tournament. And it turned out that Sid got injured pre-tournament, so the skyscrapers were out of the tag team division, so they replaced them with the, uh, the Samoan SWAT team, I believe. So I didn't get my Doom versus Skyscrapers match, and then they just killed Doom, and that's the same night they... They let uh, Muda lose like three matches, <laughs> and they killed Muda. I just went, this thing sucks, man. And and just to connect it all, there is a February twenty second, nineteen eighty nine, Fujinami versus Sid Vicious uh, TV match <laughs> from New Japan, where he was Vicious Warrior at the time, and uh, they actually had some tag matches too, if I'm not mistaken. I, I was just thinking of through all the the names that I'd gone through for that he had wrestled. And uh, yeah, there's a Choshu and Fujinami versus the Avalanche and Vicious Warrior uh, tag match. Uh, Ron Starr got added in on a on a six man a couple times. Uh, one time, the Caribbean Express, which was Dan Castillo and Jose Perez, and uh, yeah, pretty much those those variations of of which. But uh, I I think you sh- should watch some Fujinami Sid Vicious and really get your uh, fix in there, Rob. Uh, I, I can't is... believe you have that match and Fujinami's the one going into the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. justice for Sid. Yeah, we'll, we'll, put Sid, we'll put Sid's leg in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Sid, oh. Sid should be like the, uh, I think the main event of the WrestleMania 32 Hall of Fame class. Like, I, I think that should happen. Why not? He should be in the Hall of Fame. Am I wrong? Let's, let's see the names who are in there. Sid Vicious, Psycho Sid should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, not the man who controls the world, master and the ruler of the world, um, who once Sid, beat uh, hold on. Keith Slater on Raw. Hold on, Sid Justice, I think would be the one. <laughs> um, Chris, let me ask you this, and we don't have to spend a whole lot of time onto it, but it was announced this week that WWE and DraftKings uh, announced a partnership. A lot of people, oh, yes, at, a lot of people at first when they heard this announcement probably thought, okay, DraftKings is going to do like WWE bidding and WWE fantasy. But really, it turned out it was just a uh, an advertising partnership in a way. Uh, uh, you want to you want to make mention of this and what are your ideas about this partnership? Well, I got so excited when I saw it because it said DraftKings is announcing a partnership with WWE. We're going to do a trip to SummerSlam. I thought, oh, that's really cool. And then they're like, no fee entry. You can you can join our draft contest. So I was like, cool. Yeah. So I did it. And it was for basketball. And yeah. maybe it was written in there that it was for basketball. But I saw that nowhere. And if you told me WWE is going to be working on a contest with a fantasy sports thing, it just made sense to me to be like, oh, they're going to do fantasy sports. Uh Years and years and years ago, WWE did do a fantasy WWE league. They did many seasons of it, and I really enjoyed it. They had a salary cap, and basically they gave different guys different values. So if you wanted Triple H, great, but he was $10 of your $20 million you had to spend. So uh, you could take a bunch of scrubs. You could take your Alex Rileys of the world and whatnot, or your show, you know, your Funakis and, and your put them Sids. In. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really fun. And so they had different points for different things. Unfortunately, Sandman ruined everything as he is apt to do. 
because uh, they were giving out points for for weapon shots. And one week, Sandman hit somebody with a cane like thirty seven times, <laughs> and so <laughs> he like he completely ruined the entire system. But I remember they did a couple seasons, and I think actually after a couple seasons, they even made it. Uh, you had to spend like ten dollars to even get in. Uh, and I did. I remember doing it, and I had a great time with it. And I've always I've been a proponent to say that I think that there's something there for the idea of a fantasy wrestling league, be it a fantasy sports league or be it you know better wrestling simulators. But even getting out of the wrestling simulator thing, just a fantasy sports league, I think there's there's an appeal there because really analytical people like me have proven that if it works in baseball and it works in basketball and it works in all these other sports, March Madness, of course that there's an interest for this sort of thing. There's a demand. And I was just like, wow, WWE really swung on a miss on this one. Cause in the end, it just made me angrier at DraftKings instead of like liking them at all. So I, I was just really shocked by this and it's such a simple thing. You know, I don't even think the, the uh, announcement of the partnership showed up on the corporate website. That should have been a big red flag. Anytime that it doesn't show up on the corporate website, that usually just means it's, Oh no, it is. It is it's there, up there okay. now. Yep. Yeah, so what do I know? But it's just one of those where I was just like, we're still waiting on that tap out endorsement. Um, and I'm really curious whether that is going to ever materialize. Uh, I do think that with the whole Brock Lesnar situation, if Brock Lesnar stays, it makes a lot of sense for tap out to throw its hat in the ring with WWE. If Brock Lesnar doesn't, it doesn't hurt the ability to do it. But obviously, I think having Brock Lesnar as a face of your tap out brand helps a lot. And if Brock's in UFC, you can't do that. So if Brock's in, in WWE, at least that's an option. See, but uh, that's thought, something that yeah. was a big deal, and it kind of mm -hmm. just fell through, and no one's talked about it. I thought the same thing. I thought there was going to be like a fantasy wrestling league with the same kind of what you pointed out. The same, You had a salary cap. You could draft a team, and you'd get points based on, you know, say five months' worth of WWE or maybe just individual pay-per-views or, or what, what have you. you know? and, and with the success of their mobile games – like the, the card game that they have and, and whatnot. I thought that was going to be a perfect kind of a synergy. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, it seemed like such a simple thing and, and maybe it's just that they don't want to be associated with betting in any way that, you know, there already is that weirdness that goes on with the betting odds and yeah. uh, as a friendly thing, they don't want to be seen as part of that. And they don't want to get into DraftKings doesn't want to get into that weird situation of like, how can you have predetermined events as part of your gambling there but i was just like as a simulator i don't to me what an easy way to um you know we've even talked about it before about you you do a what is it around the horn type thing or a, a 538 type thing with wrestling on the network as you break down the numbers like pop up video or anything else it would be fun to watch and so it's you know tully gives a suplex and then a little pop-up bubble says tully has suplexed people over six thousand times you know yeah. whatever it is just fun stuff or you could have a by the numbers type show and again, it would be cheap. It'd be interesting. No one would watch it. So what What good is it? This This may be a surprise to the WWE, but yes, children, young young boys do play fantasy baseball. <laughs> it's not gambling. It's They play fantasy sports because these are the people they idolize. That's how they get more into the sport. Exactly. And, and I also, it's just fun just to, to do these sort of things. I think it really, for me, especially as someone who doesn't have a lot of time to watch wrestling, but I read a lot. And so I do pay attention to what's going on. And I am like, I'm checking out my March Madness bracket because someone said I would get extra points if, if any of the high seeds made it to the uh, the round of 16. So I put a Harvard Wolford game in there, hopefully that was going <laughs> to happen. And it did not. Came but, close. Uh, 
Yeah, a couple <laughs> a couple of my high seeds are going through. But I'll tell you this, I'm actually checking the results on that thing. And I wouldn't know a thing about March Madness if it wasn't for the fact that I had entered this bracket. And I think these sort of things are, are informal ways to get people to care about what's happening in your product and to care about and pay attention to it. And so if you want something that's going to hook people and keep them there for longer, the more times you can engage them to log onto a website and to read about your characters or do anything else, that's going to help. Plus, it gives you an informal way of even, just like the network is, they supposedly are collecting all this information about people's habits and people's interests. Mm -hmm. And it's time to see a little bit of this in action. Because, you know, the same thing. If every single person drafts uh, uh, Eric Rowan, and they think that there's something there. Maybe there is something there. You know, like it gives you this great way to quickly data source what people are out there interested in in a certain way if you play with the stats on certain things. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, final question, I think. And I'll, we'll ask both of you this and we'll get my thoughts. And I asked this because it came up on the Voices of Wrestling podcast this week. And we were we were talking a little bit about WrestleMania 32 here on this show. Nachos. Nachos, what? yes. Um. If you could, you have to fill up AT&T Stadium as best as you can next year. If you could pick any main event featuring guys who have been in WWE since the start of 2014, and we'll throw in, you can choose The Rock and Steve Austin possibly as well. You have those two guys and anyone on the roster in the last year and a half. What would you do as a WrestleMania 32 main event to try and get your biggest drawing card possible? Well, as as all good booking should be, uh, I've had all of twenty five seconds to think about this. Yes, so which this is should be held which is perfect. That's all you need. Yeah, um, a must retire, like kind of like a, a cage of death match or, or tower, like they do in Mexico, where the last guy out of the cage, you know, gets stuck with something. Uh, but it's a retirement match, and you throw Kane, and you throw Undertaker, and you throw this a bunch is... of bunch of guys that you know are all on the last <laughs> legs of their career, big show. Uh, Mark Henry, uh, and you just throw four or five guys that are really, you know, past 40 that are at the end of their career, throw them all in there and say the the loser has to retire. And you do some big angle with that. That's my, uh, that's my five cents. That's your main event. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, barbed wire, electrified, double so, cage, <laughs> hell, swimming pool, island death match. So Mookie Ghana just advocated a cage of death match. As Kane. the Kane, main Kane event, Kane has to retire. Kane has to retire is the big pull of this thing of WrestleMania 32. Hashtag WWE. Hashtag insane. Hashtag UCLA Sweet 16. Hashtag Harvard versus Wolford. Harvard v Wolford. Perfect. That all fits 160 characters and sent. Um, yeah. So Cage of Death is your main event. That's great with Kane and all those guys and Baron Corbin. Uh, Jeff, what would your main event be? I have to fill up the stadium with just the you, main you event. You want the best possible main event of WrestleMania 32. What would you do? I want the best main event or I want the most in, or the one that's going to interest more people. Answer the damn question, please. I'm I'm stalling cuz I'm thinking, you son of a bitch. All right, the correct I, I like Rock Brock. I think there's yeah. Brock and Rock is a good one. I think if you have Brock and Rock along with Sting and the Undertaker, along with the obvious main event of Steve Austin versus CM Punk, you just, I, you just filled up the place. At. I was looking at that. I was looking at even, you could even do Punk Brock, I think, with Paul no, Heyman you hyping can't. it. Nope, that's a no buys. So you have how to about, do I, how about Okay, how about Rock Austin? One last time. I think having it as a fourth time. I think you did that with the Mania in Seattle. I don't think it would work okay. again. 
Like okay. if you wanted I, the most popular main event to fill up fans and also get subscribers, by the way. Cena Austin? Austin CM Punk? Cena Austin would probably be choice number two, I think. Yeah. Cena Austin. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, though I like the idea of punk because then I win a bet. So so let's right. let's yes, push you to do. that idea. Yes, you do. Well, I I mean all of the things would have to align, but I think that would be the show where everything could align. You promise CM Punk the main event, uh he comes back to do it. You promise Steve Austin and CM Punk, you know, this big huge gate, obviously. Uh, yeah. I think that would be the one show because I don't see CM Punk fighting a second time i think it's one and done for him and you know that would be your welcome back to wwe for one show and wwe might just be desperate enough to do it because they have to fill up this place and get subscribers and you'll give cm punk this one match because you need it i i think i think they desperately need that texas draw uh, to be probably austin unless you can think of something bigger you know a ronda rousey type thing if you could ever get it would be obviously worth a lot uh but you know i can't imagine it but i was in charlotte know. mania 32 i would have said steph <laughs> well yeah steph i guess would be there too i here i have hopes that charlotte might be something a year from now well this this uh this green pants you speak of uh could she no, I don't even know who we're speaking of. Blue pants. We're no, speaking blue of blue pants. pants yes. Leva Bates. <clears throat> Leva Bates. No, she can't do it. She can't have, do it at all. You have you have a vacated title, and you have Cena versus Flair, and <laughs> and and Cena going for the sixteenth time. But if he doesn't get it, he has to retire. The ascension, like in a cage of death. Sure. In a cage of death. The ascension. Versus the Von Erich boys. With, with Hayabusa in there, too. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Adam Rose versus Leo <laughs> Kruger in a, a mirror match where Festus plays fake Leo Kruger. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of possibility. I just I thought that was interesting because I, I wanted to see. I think everyone would realistically say if you can get Steve Austin, that would probably be the one Punk. thing you have to do. Yeah. Against, against yeah, Punk. Cena, Punk, Rock even. Yep. Um, Chris. Anything. Thank you so much, by the way, for doing this. Because oh, thank you. Didn't th- have thanks to. for putting this together. No, this is great. I'm glad we uh, had a chance to. Really I didn't relive. have to either. I don't see you thanking me. <laughs> I was not done. Thank okay. you, Jeff, for coming on today as well, and thank you, Robert McCarran, for putting everything together. Um, and and uh, hopefully, hopefully, you'll get a live update at some point from uh, Jeff and I. Uh, I don't know whether we'll be doing a post NXT show that night well, or some other night, but uh, yeah, my my idea because I I'm, I'm not trying to get you guys because uh, it would still be late there. It's going to be about eleven o'clock local time or no, uh, what one a.m. local time yeah, when that show finally ends. Yeah. So I'm not trying to get you guys to be up at one a.m. calling into me to give us an update on an NXT show where it's four a.m. my time. Like maybe sometime during the weekend we can kind of just talk about the weekend for a half an hour to forty five minutes if. Everything aligns. If not, you guys enjoy your time there. Obviously, Jeff lives uh, in California, and Chris, you're there on a vacation for yourself. So, you know, if if the things align, that's great. If not, you know, we'll uh, we'll all talk throughout the week after WrestleMania. I'm sure. Well, here here's the deal. Chris is going to be reading during a Doug Henning biography, which floors me that someone would write a biography on Doug Henning uh, during Saturday, and I'll be driving home, so I'll need something to do if. You want to take a half hour out to just to talk about that fantastic vaude villains versus Blake and Murphy match. We'll be, well, we can go over that. <laughs> and, well, and and if we're really special, we'll have Fujinami as a yes. guest star. And yes. He'll, to, he'll, he'll grunt. 
Break, breaking <laughs> news, Steve Nash has retired from the NBA. Chris, what do you have to plug tonight? Uh, Steve Nash, it's a podcast I do about Steve Nash's career starting today. Uh, it's, it's, it focuses mainly on his early days uh, when he played for the Bucks under the name Oz, then later moved down to uh, here, here to the Lakers and uh, the, the old Lakers that used to be here as uh, 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 Steve Serino and uh, a lot of good stuff. So I just do stuff on indeedwrestling.com, indeedwrestling.blogspot.com, indeedwrestling.tumblr.com, indeedwrestling.tinder.com, uh, all sorts of things like that. And you can find me on on Twitter at Mukigana. And if you're in out for WrestleMania weekend, I'm there Thursday to Tuesday. So I'm actually there all day Monday with no plans whatsoever. So Are if you-, you also have no raw ticket, uh, uh, maybe we'll meet up for a, a cup of coffee. I think I might meet up with... Uh, 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 someone, you know, former, uh, not XPW. What was the MTV one? Uh, Wrestling, Wrestling Society X. Yes, I might meet up with somebody who used to uh, do have an integral part in Wrestling Society X one of those days there and have coffee with them. So Please say it was Teddy good Hart. Time. Please say Teddy Hart. <laughs> it's one of his cats. Oh, yes, that's even better. That's the best. Um, Jeff, what do you have to plug? I'll see you Tuesday. Yeah, shake them ropes, everybody. We have, we have a uh, we have kind of a round table thing. I'm still working on the second guest, but we're gonna have Chris True, who uh, is out of actually he's out of the Austin and New Orleans improv scene, Mookie. Since we all have connections to wrestling and improv, and he's also part of uh, Inspire Pro down there with our with a, with one of Rob and I's favorite people, Chuck Taylor does that as well but uh and he also does some things for uh with spandex occasionally even indirectly so uh looking forward to having him and hopefully having the second guest that i'm working on the wrestlemania uh, preview gonna be a big deal i hope that uh, everyone enjoys wrestlemania i hope you guys enjoy the nxt show and chris that you have a fantastic vacation in california and uh we'll hopefully hear more of wrestlenomics here in the not too distant future uh, especially after what i think will be a exhilarating conference call next Monday with George Berrios talking everything you would ever want to know about WWE Network or at least giving answers that kind of hide the fact that he won't give any answers. Either way, it should be fun. Uh, But thank you guys so much. Uh, And this has been Shake Them Ropes slash WrestleNomics with Mookie Ghana, Chris Harrington. We'll see everybody on Tuesday for another episode of Shake Them Ropes. Bye-bye. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.